0: The Brown Pundits Browncast. Browncast. And I have a very special episode with a returning guest, uh, my friend Carl Ja, who you probably uh, remember from the podcast before. And um, Carl has his own podcast, um, and he can introduce himself and talk about that. But, um, you know, we're going to talk about China, United States, that sort of thing, and also his life in Indone- Indonesia, in Bali right now. But uh, I feel like it hasn't been that long since we last talked. I mean, it's probably been about like six months, maybe eight. But, um, you know, before we got on, I just told Carl, it's been like 10 years in terms of like what's happened in the world. So hopefully it'll be an interesting conversation. Uh, Carl, can you introduce yourself and then just talk about where you are right now? Sure.
1: Um, Thank you again, Razib, for inviting me back to your show. Um, I'm Carl Zah. I'm the host of the Silk and Steel podcast. I am currently in Bali. I have been in Bali since last year, and I think i I talked to you just before my move from u s to asia and and you are correct that there seems to be a continental shift in the u s china relations since then i mean especially after the covid nineteen crisis
0: yeah yeah and and so um Like, what's going on in in Bali? Like, I mean, you're in lockdown, obviously. Um, How intense is the lockdown? How long are you guys in lockdown? Um, I've heard Bali doesn't have many cases in Indonesia, and uh, people are kind of confused why, because Jakarta um, has a fair number, and, um, you know... What's
1: what's going on? Like, what's the situation on the Yeah. Ground? Well, the special situation with Bali is that it's a tourist island, and you know we get people from all over the world. Um, in fact, the flights to and from China was stopped to a, two two months ago. Um, you know, as soon as China started locking down cities like Wuhan, Indonesia did the same uh, by stopping flights f- from to China. So actually, quite many Chinese tourists were trapped here. Um, And then uh, it was still hunky dory. It seems like it seems like, you know, like there's some hope, you know, according to some government officials that supposedly the the, the COVID-19 virus, uh, coronavirus fears heat or humidity. And so we in Southeast Asia, Southeast Asia should be protected. But then we got the outbreak in Singapore, in Malaysia, uh, and even in Vietnam. And so uh, we had a case of a British um, a British tourist who became sick after she got arrived in Bali. So, so in Indonesia, we have the same problem as uh, United States in the early stages, that there was just simply no testing because um, there were no testing kits available in Indonesia. <laughs> so even if people had it, they, they didn't know. So this uh, British tourist got sick. Um, so they took her samples, sent it to Jakarta from Bali. By the time, you know, the test kit, test kit came back from Jakarta, confirmed it was a coronavirus, she was already dead. Um, but she was old. She had some other complications. And since then, you know, the, Bali basically shut down all the uh, public areas, especially all the t- tourist sites. You know, all the beaches are closed right now. Um, and uh, the 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 main foreigner hangout places in Bali, like a uh, f- couple of famous beaches like Seminyak, Kuta, it's dead. It's I have never seen Bali this dead. I mean, you, you just you drive through. There's nothing, no activity. Um, <laughs> the only activity that's going on is actually uh, all, all the local places, all the people, all the places where the bule or what the Indonesian call the foreigners don't go. Um, you know, life still carries on, but still you have. Um, uh, so each village would have uh, like the security at the village entrance, for example. Enforcing the mask law so you have to go in and out, they make sure you are wearing masks, um, and and uh, you know certain certain areas are not <clears throat> still remain closed. But this lockdown is no way anywhere extensive as it was done in China or um, some other parts of the world. Uh, it's it's mostly it's a it's we have taken a big hit to the economy because Bali is really dependent on the tourism and. And, you know, a large part of it was on the Chinese tourism. So that dried up first. And now the tourism from the rest of the world dried up because, you know, people are afraid to fly. Uh, For a while, there was, uh, you know, there was actually no flights out of the airport. They closed down the airport traffic for a while. They closed down all the ferries, all the boats. Um, So... Uh, Things were getting pretty bad to the point that, um, you know, I have some uh, expat friends on Bali, they organized trips to explore, like the wilder side of Bali. And now there have been reported attacks, you know, motorcycle robberies, you know, people riding on motorcycle and snap your cell phone and purses. And one of my friend, one of my uh, American friend, he was Iranian American from New York, Um, him and his uh, girlfriend were riding to Northern Bali just a week ago, and they were attacked on the road. And this, things like this was kind of unheard of before, but it's, it's, it's happening now because people are getting desperate because there's no jobs and, and now it's Ramadan, you know, like, so think, yeah, things that some parts are getting pretty wild, but, uh, in terms of my life, I. It's pretty boring, actually. I just been staying home because all the beaches are closed, and I haven't been surfing for two months. Um, and now I'm I got a <clears throat> I got a tooth uh, I got a gum infection, so I'm just kind of chilling out.
0: So, are you um are you in a rural area or are you in the the main city or I mean where are Uh, you like are you just off the grid? Yeah,
1: well, Bali is really not a like an industrial city, right? So you know, Indonesia the big city is obviously Jakarta, you know, but Bali is is, it's its own island, and and so you have the area that's catered to the tourists. Um, and I'm in the non-tourist area. I'm i in the uh, Jembar Jembarang. Jembarang is actually close to the Jembarang Beach, which is a touristy area. But I'm still about fifteen minutes away, like a motorbike a drive away from the from the beach. So the the gated community. I'm well, not really gated, but there's a little cul-de-sac where I live now. It's mostly locals. Um, I think there there's one Korean diver lives here, and there's um cause uh, there's some, some Chinese tourists who got trapped here. Uh, they're renting out apartment from a local Indonesian Chinese. Um, so, so yeah, so I, I live in a pretty, pretty local place. It's not a city. It's not, not a city like any means, but it's not like rural. It's not village. It's, uh, you know, I'm, I live off one of the main road. So, um, but i mean compared to u.s probably it looks like a village but it's it's not a it's uh, some i would say maybe like a suburb right like a, like a suburb yeah
0: mm-hmm. yeah well so i mean yeah and i've seen um i you know i follow you on instagram i've seen some of your photos it's beautiful i mean it's bali yes. so yes. um what, what's it gonna be like um so and you know you're in a relationship there with a with a local woman i mean are you Are you gonna settle down? Are you become Chinese Balinese? What's wrong
1: with you? (laughs) Well, I'm uh, I am engaged, so we do plan to 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 get married once um, her studies are done. So she's finishing her last year of her uh, university here, and and uh, she is a local Balinese. So and that. Well, is there are a couple of perks comes with marriage with uh, locals is that uh, I'm going to get kitas, which is basically this permit that allow me to stay in Indonesia. If I marry an Indonesian citizen right now, I have to uh, fly out uh, every once in a while because, you know, like Indonesia, unlike other countries, Indonesia only give um, tourist visa for like 30 days, like as American citizens, you you don't need a visa. You you can just fly into Bali, and you know you automatic get thirty mm-hmm. days. But at the end of the thirty days, you have to leave, um, or unless when you arrive at the airport, you pay additional money for visa on arrival, and then that gives you option to extend it for th- another thirty days. But at End of the two months, you still gotta gotta go. Um, and what people, many people do is they do visa runs. They, they will fly to like Singapore or Malaysia for a day or a few days and come back. Um, and I chose the other option is I do like social visa, which uh, I just pay like. Uh, like a local agency, and they write up this, uh, but you just require an Indonesian citizen to uh, to give you an invitation letter, say, you know, somehow you are needed here for some social, uh, social, cultural activities. And that allows me automatically 60 days and beyond 60 days, I can extend it four times. So, so basically allow me to stay for up to six months without leaving the country. But at the end of the six months, I still got to go. In fact, I was, scheduled to leave um oh, you know you know that um
0: we have a lot of indian listeners uh so you're gonna be marrying a balinese woman are you gonna have a hindu ceremony like how does that work is she <laughs> hindu? I
1: mean. yes yes so yes she is coming from a hindu family um if i do a local wedding yes you will um you know follow whatever local rich rituals that they have to go through um you know i, I have no problem with that um we, we i haven't planned that far ahead yet you know i i just go with what my my fiance tell me so so at this point I, I i don't know what to expect
0: you you go with what your fiance tells you i, I i'm having a general idea of what this marriage is going to be like but um you know, <laughs> I, I, i'll keep my opinions to myself okay um so i know that um you know this is kind of like, you know, we, we didn't plan too much ahead of time. So I'm actually kind of curious. I know that there's a Chinese community, Chinese Indonesian community mm-hmm. in Bali. Um, yeah. have you had much interaction with them? Cause I know a lot of them have been around for a while. They don't really know Chinese probably at this time, but, um, my understanding is they integrate or have integrated much better into Balinese society than is the case with Chinese Indonesians and
1: in, say Java. Probably. I would I would I have that um feeling, like right now I in my neighborhood there are actually quite a few Chinese Indonesian families. Um normally the adults they speak they would be able to speak Mandarin. I think they must take in some classes or something because most of the Chinese Indonesians who came, they usually came from like southeastern part of China, where they speak you know in either like Hokkien or Cantonese or some other dialect. So I'm pretty sure they took some classes, and quite a few are actually um, tour guides. They you know their their business is to cater to uh, to Chinese tourists from mainland China, mostly and and so but their children you know they uh, their children haven't picked up the lingual yeah you know their children are fluent in the local local uh uh language either bahasa indonesia or balinese uh but you know like normally i i communicate to, through the children through english uh, you know quite a few of them their english is quite good uh but their parents you know i i can just speak mandarin um, and as far as I can tell yeah um, just from my observation right like even the Chinese here they they would um, do the perform the um, Hindu offerings in the morning I've I seen that I've seen like they take out the um, the Hindu offerings uh, wearing the traditional kind of like the sarang and 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 going out and, and and pray so I was like oh okay I mean on surface, I I have only been here since July last year. Okay, so from my impression, yes, they they seem pretty well integrated.
0: Okay, okay, yeah, July. Wow, yeah, definitely. Like the last pod, pod. I think we did a podcast on genetics, Chinese genetics. Maybe while you, were you in
1: Bali, Bali? No, no, that was that. I think I was still in United States when we last talked.
0: Okay, okay. So, um, you know. So obviously, it seems like it seems like you're not having on Bali. You're not having coronavirus go through the community, and we all know all the listeners probably know the demographics. Mostly hits old people, so you know it's not like a black death. Um, you were not feeling well for a while. Yeah, did you have COVID nineteen? Did you ever confirm it? Like, what do you what's going on with that?
1: Yeah, so I have been, uh, you know, self quarantining at home ever since. Uh, the news got out that <clears throat> there have been confirmed cases of coronavirus in Bali. Uh, but unfortunately, I had to go to the <laughs> immigration office to extend my visa. Um, and I, I wasn't prepared to, uh, you know, because it, so, it was the first time I saw it was so crowded because a lot of the European-American tourists, they don't want to go home. So they all went to the Bali Immigration Office to extend their visa. And, and suddenly I was very nervous because I wasn't prepared. I didn't wear my mask. Uh, there were a lot of people. It's almost like an airport. Um, so after a like few days after that, I, I became sick. And I was a little bit worried that I, I might have caught the uh, COVID-19 because I showed the, all the initial symptoms. Uh, you know, I had the muscle fatigue. Uh, I felt really weak. My I have a very scratchy throat and high fever. Uh, you know, at one point I was having like one, one o three point nine degrees, and so I, um, I what I did though, like I um I I think I did go to I did visit go to a clinic, local clinic, and the doctor says, well. You know, just recommend that I rest at home. So he said, unless you are bleeding from your nose and your your gum, you know, uh, in that case, yeah, go get get <laughs> go to the hospital and get a COVID nineteen test. Other than that, just see, go back and take some um, take t- t- uh, actually he prescribed me some Tylenol and say you know see if the fever comes down. And a lot of people from my uh, Twitter following advised me against taking Tylenol um, or, uh, wait, is it Tylenol? I, no, no, no. Uh, he proved prescribed ibuprofen, uh, right? Ibuprofen. Yes. A lot of people yeah, yeah. recommended yeah. ibuprofen for, because, you know, in case it's, uh, COVID supposedly that makes, uh, makes it worse. So I switched to Tylenol and my fever did, uh, go down. Um, and I had a, still had a scratchy throat for a while, but, you know, I just stayed home Uh, didn't, didn't go out at all. And uh, now I'm recovered. Uh, I did not go get tested again, uh, partly because I feared that by going to the hospital, I might get, get uh, infected, even if I didn't have it. Um, So, so now I, I I don't know what I have, um, uh, you know, uh, up to this day, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, but, but I've been, I've been, it's been, almost over a month now so if i did even if i did have covid 19 by now i should be non-infectious that's based on yeah. what i read it's that's what uh, yeah
0: oh no, yeah that, that seems true i mean do you know anybody personally like in your circles in your in bali who who was infected
1: no no i okay. i i mean there are there are um we know there are outbreaks in in certain villages so cuz my fiance says uh a village uh, surrounding her her parents uh, home village had had outbreaks so so like they have partial lockdowns right when they have a outbreak in certain village they lock down that village but it's not uh it's not universal it's it's not like everywhere um everybody get locked down and then there's still some local places there's still a lot of activities i mean much less activity than before but you know people are still going out shopping and stuff
0: mm, that sounds normal yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um we, we haven't had normal for a while um so i guess like let's move on to um, you know uh, geopolitics and these issues um i do have to say i know that um i don't know, I think the, since the last time we talked there's been a lot of um controversies around you and you know I'm a person that has had controversies around me um, and a lot of it's just crap um, so honestly I didn't pay too much close attention because I don't care um, mm-hmm. my relationship with you is my relationship with you I don't really care right yeah. um, but um, I've noticed you have a lot of Twitter followers now um, I feel yeah. like you um, really kind of took it to the next level um, in terms of being kind of a, a public person or just you know um you know putting the information out there that you think is correct and uh you know you've tussled with people here and there i think there was like some this wasn't in my circles but um it was some campaign to get you banned or blocked yeah. or something can yeah. you can you, uh, can, can you just give a general sense because i i don't really know and i think you know listeners might be curious
1: yeah this actually started back uh last year um even <laughs> back in march last year um So I somehow people were labeling me as like a Chinese influence op. And and one person of all the people, uh, like a former New York, uh, uh, former NYT NYT reporter, uh, like he's kind of of big shot, uh, Howard French. You know, he, he wrote a couple books on China, Africa, actually read. Right. He tweeted. Yeah, he just casually threw out, "Oh, you know, he's probably a Chinese influence op," and and then there's like a people start piling on, and some some people are debating whether I am a, a truly true, truly Chinese influence op or not. Um, and then there were people that people try to mass report me. I mean, I, the one part is um, I think has to do with, I, I did a lot of. Um, yeah, I I was tweeting a lot, but just simply because I had a lot of time, a lot of time on my hands. I mean, um, you know, people people think you know, like uh, trying to portray me as somehow. Uh, like the agent of the Chinese state, but what they don't realize is I'm, I'm really just a shit poster with a lot of time on my hand. <laughs> and I post on on things that that's in, personally interesting to me. And and I happen to be interested a lot in geopolitics, you know, in China, you know, U S China US-China relations, because those things are intimate will have intimate impact on, on me and my family. And, and of course my, um, you know, as we have been talking about since since our our talk last time the the you know the US and China is increasingly shaped headed to a more confrontational phase and and you know i used to talk about the <clears throat> incipient cold war 2.0 and i, I don't think we're even in, at the incipient stage anymore i think we're we're in it <laughs> we're in in cold war 2.0 yeah. so now um, yep yeah, so so I mean that's that yeah, it happened it,
0: it 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 happened really quickly. It's but yes. I I feel like so I feel like I will tell you that I'm not entirely surprised that we're like in this, you know, we're here, but I thought that it was going to happen over 10 years.
1: I I thought and... it was, was going to happen in 5 years. So <laughs> so yeah. you were you were a little bit more optimistic than me and I was still not I was yeah. still way too optimistic. Yeah. Yeah well so
0: it's interesting um i don't know howard french too well but um he does follow me on twitter um i did read his book about africa mm-hmm. so i didn't i didn't know that he was uh involved in that but um
1: well yeah, he, he followed a me. little bit he did he did the, uh, you know he he got called out by a couple other guys and uh uh including i think the the uh, host of podcast seneca kaiser Guo, and uh he so he backtracked he said well i don't know this person Personally, I just it was just from like I'm just speaking from experience. I'm really really thinking hmm. about other people. he, he kind of backtrack, but but I just thought that that was uh, that that label kind of stuck with me because some, some people keep on coming back to that. And
0: if, if people don't know you, if people don't know you, they know you from the controversy.
1: Exactly, exactly. Because that's I just I, how
0: that's just how that, yeah
1: yeah it's which is a yeah. shame because I actually read how I you know actually bought and read Howard French's book. Um, uh, like he he had couple books on on China like his 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 uh, book on China Africa is def- definitely worth reading. Um, in, I mean I I don't agree with his takes, but like he give you like a more um kind of on the ground view in into the nitty gritty details of of China Africa interaction and and he tend to focus on the negative. So you know like uh, my my takes is you know, that's, that's, if that's as worse as it gets, it's not that bad (laughs) because, because Howard French, I feel Howard French already went out and, and already found all the, you know, all the bad negative side of the, of the China Africa relations. And, and if that's the worst, I think it's not that bad. (laughs) That's just me. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, um, yeah, yeah, I actually, so I read the African book, um, you know, and, uh, uh, China's second continent and apparently he has something more recent mm-hmm. um, it's uh, everything under the heavens how the past uh, helps shape China's push for global power I have to say I'm kind of like interested in getting this book now Um <laughs> uh, just talking to you because uh, you know but uh, I, I need to I'm actually reading a um, book about uh, the, the opium wars um, okay so uh, which I think by you, mentioned, Platt, you, you right. respond
1: yeah by Stephen yeah, Platt, right. Right. Uh, I have not personally yeah. read uh, any Stephen Platt's uh, book, but I I have been on the Walnert's, uh podcast, the Radio Walnerd, and mm-hmm. Radio Walner did read. I I believe he read Stephen Platt's book on the Taiping Rebellion. Um, yeah, and uh, I I haven't read that either. But according to him, it's uh, uh kind of dry <laughs> on the Taiping Rebellion.
0: Yeah, I like I like I like dry monographs. So um, <laughs> okay. you know. That, that's just, that's how that's how I roll. Uh. So um. Okay. So you know now we're talking about the Cold War here, and um, you know I do have to say um, you know you're claiming that you're not a Chinese operative, but I I kind of was like oh that would be cool. <laughs> um, i don't know just i i, I wish, kind of I, like, wish re-
1: I get re- re- paid re- man i wish i mean shit yeah. you know if if freaking yeah. like chinese uh whatever um agency you know public security agency yeah. offer me money yeah. the xinhua I'll, yeah. I'll sign up i have no hesitation yeah. but i'm still waiting yeah. for my chat yeah.
0: okay yeah yeah so, i mean i i don't believe that you are a chinese operative but also honestly um someone messaged me once and was just like, "You're engaging with him uh, on Twitter," and I was just like, he, "And they were they were saying you were Chinese operative." I was like, uh, "Okay, I mean, I've probably engaged with CIA operatives, and I don't know who they are." You know, um, actually, like one or twice, once or twice, actually, I did know that they they kind of were. Uh-huh. So, I mean, that's just that's part of the world. I'm not, um, you know, I'm not a child about that, so it, it wasn't yeah. super relevant. I mean, so you're you're an American citizen, right?
1: Yes. Yes.
0: And are you still? I mean, I don't understand um, what's your nationality status with, with regards to the People's Republic of China.
1: Um, so, you know, how, you know, some people have, uh, can't have dual citizenship, you know, while having US citizenship. Mm-hmm. But the way it works yeah. is it needs to have at least one country recognize dual citizenship. So, US itself actually does not recognize dual citizenship. When you become naturalized US citizen, uh, you you swear, uh, 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 you are supposed to pledge to give to up your allegiance yes. to the previous potentates or whatever, right? That's part of the yeah, pledge. Sure. Um, but is there countries like France or Israel? They say, oh yeah, yeah, we understand you have to say that to become U.S. citizen. But even even if you said that, we still recognize you are citizen of our country. So in that case, they can they still retain their original citizenship. So that's how they, they had become dual citizens. But China is just like United States. China does not recognize dual citizenship. So the moment I become a U.S. citizen, I lose my uh citizenship with uh, People's Republic of China. So so right now when I go yeah. when I went back to China, I had to go get a visa at the Chinese Council in L.A. Um, right now I got uh, got the ten year you know multi entry uh, like that that's just last. I think the last ten years, the U.S. China China had this agreement. You can have the ten-year multi-entry visa. So once you have that, you can travel anytime within the ten years, you know, anytime you want. Um, yeah, and you don't have to renew it. But I still have to pay a hundred bucks and, and go to. Mm. Whereas my sister, um, you know, she is she just have green card in U.S even though her husband and her children are all U.S. citizens, uh, she just didn't felt the need to, you know, to, to, to become a U.S. citizen. And so she, when she goes to China, she doesn't need to go to get a Chinese visa. She can just travel. Yeah. So so that's
0: rude. I thought Chinese, Chinese intelligence would take care of you, man.
1: (laughs) I hope man. (laughs) 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 All
0: right. So, um, yeah, I guess, um, so with COVID-19, which COVID-19 was an accelerant, I don't think that COVID-19 changed the direction that we were going. Um, It was an accelerant, right? Yes. Um, My own personal take uh, would be that, uh, and the issue with coronavirus is there's just always uncertainty on a lot of things. And so anything that I say aside from say the age distribution, I feel like everything else is very uncertain, um, in my opinion, because we're not sure. We'll know a lot more in three years, but in three years, it won't matter. Yes. At least to us in the same way, right? Exactly. So I feel feel like China, um, the Chinese authorities, whoever was in power in Hubei or paying attention to this, uh, I felt that they were a bit tardy, um, Mm -hmm. frankly, Mm -hmm. to get on this. Sure. they weren't taking it seriously, partly because we haven't had, I mean, I know China's had SARS and whatnot and H1N1, but they weren't really that serious. They were, they're kind of kept under control. Um, I feel like they didn't take it seriously. It well, grew up in their face. Two, and
1: I think there are two, uh, two part reasons. One uh, is that the that this new coronavirus is, is, is something brand new, uh, is something they weren't prepared for. And uh, there's also the local official have an incentive to minimize the impact, right, to to, to hush up and cover up, and hopefully it, it just goes away. And I think that's, you know, a lot of people don't really understand how the Chinese political system works you know there's always assumption that you know the the Chinese government is just like one wild oil machine from top down like Xi Jinping has a directive and he just snapped his finger and all the automatons in the Chinese bureaucracy would just carry it out down to the grassroots but that's not how how it works Um, you know how, how it works normally in China like from the top they give a very general broad directive right usually tells the local official uh, they, they give local official what they need to be doing which it, in in, past, in the past it will be either uh, economic growth or more recently uh, environmental protection uh, curbing the pollution right and, and but it's up to the local government to to implement to actually to carry out the details of the implementation. So, if you think about the, the 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 Chinese local the the career bureaucrats in the Chinese bureaucracy, they they're being evaluated on annual basis on their performance on these uh, you know new directions that that you know the central government set out. So in the past would be economic growth and and um, and and more recently environmental protection, right? So if they all have. Um, incentive to make sure during their own uh you know during their the time they, they're in charge nothing big is going to happen that's like disruptive right because that's going to negatively impact their own career path so all of them have an incentive to cover cover their ass in 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 case of like um a, a, a something like a PR disaster or or like a like a, 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 a like a outbreak of a new epidemic disease and, and that's like, basically the Wuhan local government, they just did it, it did that instinctively, like what they would always do in, in, in case of emergency, they try to try to hush it up. And that's what happened with uh, the, the doctor. So, so like little timeline back in December, around December 2020, uh, December 30th, or 31st, uh, uh, up top, up Tom up top an uh, eye doctor, Dr. Li Wenliang, sent out a uh, a WeChat message to his WeChat circle saying, hey, we got uh, eight uh, patients in our hospital. looks like they have SARS. So he actually told the people in his friend circle, you know, like, be careful. To, uh, don't he actually specifically said, don't spread the words uh, to the public, but be, uh, tell your friends and families to be careful. But one of the guys... In his friend, uh, in his uh, WeChat friend circle, took screenshots, you know, posted on the Chinese social media, and it went viral within days, and it was all over. In fact, I was in, on, um, you know, I, I go check WeChat, my WeChat once in a while, and I saw, um, something in my own WeChat circle about, uh, you know, suspected SARS case, SARS cases in Hubei. Right um, in Wuhan, and and I didn't think much of it. And then um, you know the the next day, uh, Doctor Li Wenliang was visited by the local police, by the Wuhan police, and they took him in. You know, they quote unquote invite him to tea. So they took him to the police station and basically forced him to sign the self criticism letter to admit that he was spreading. Rumor, you know, unnecessarily, you know, pa- causing panic in the public, and and this this was uh um this this was later reported in the Chinese media once the you know the 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 COVID nineteen became more well known. So so we're talking about later stage in in January, and you know, Doctor Li Wenyang actually gained a lot of sympathy from the Chinese public, and and you even the Chinese uh. People's Supreme Court issued a announcement, a public announcement. Basically, just said if um if if the Wuhan police had not you know apprehend the eight so-called uh rumor mongers, you know if they had actually taken these rumors seriously as a warning, rather than you know try to suppress information, you know maybe you know more people would have been saved. Right. So so. But even at the, the early stages, there's still very few information uh, about the nature of the COVID 19. Because Doctor Li Wenliang himself became came down with uh, with the virus, and he was while he was uh, recuperating in the hospital from COVID 19, he was interviewed by Chinese media, and and he also was posting to you know Chinese social media, the so called Chinese Twitter. Now that's a thing trending on Twitter now. Weibo, right? Weibo is nothing like. Twitter its it's functionality wise is much better, but you know, censorship is terrible. It's true. And, and then uh, what Dr. Li Wenyang has said is that um, the reason he uh, ca- caught the virus himself is because they back then in late December, early January, they did not know about human to human transmission. So he did not wear protective gears while he was, you know, in, in care of the patients. And, and that's how he become infected. Um, and then, of course, uh, and and unexpectedly, you know, Doctor Li Yang actually died. Nobody ex- actually expected him to die. He was like in his er, in his thirties or, or late thirties. And then uh, that became a another issue in China because a lot of the citizens were trying to commemorate uh, Doctor Li Yang's passing on the Chinese social media, AKA Chinese Twitter Weibo. Um, and then the Chinese government actually tried to. Um, Try to mess with that because they 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 have basically uh you know you know how how Twitter has trending right so Weibo also has a similar trending topic every day uh, and and the Wenliang was trending on that day so they had the the Weibo Weibo company to to delist it delisted the Wenliang the the hashtag as a trending hashtag um they 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 did all these things so 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 people were very upset when they find out and they basically try to break the internet in china a lot of the chinese citizens went on weibo and like posting things about Bao Di Wenliang through various means you know try to to to, to break the censorship and and and, and that actually you know, cost uh, uh, uh for a while. You know, you cost caused some some outages, and 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 that was that was I actually tweet about. I actually tweet about that. So so there I think there 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 are two different issues. There's one is that the local government of Wuhan definitely was was tardy, and they were definitely tried covered up, and they definitely were slow to respond because even just before the Chinese New Year, they were still um hosting some kind of conference and, and but but you can uh, compare that to the the mayor of New York urge, urging people go to Chinatown to celebrate Chinese New Year right when the when the when the mm-hmm. COVID-19 already began mm-hmm. you can
0: Yeah yeah we know yeah America has a lot the American institute like I wrote an article for City Journal that was a little highfalutin in it's um crows but basically I just said the American elite are incompetent they're, they're failures.
1: Yes, I mean that that can be said the same about the Wuhan local government. But the difference is, um, by now, the the top officials in Wuhan, you know, including the the, the official in charge of the Wuhan health department, they they have all been fired, right? So, so that tells us two things. One, yes, they they did fucked up. Two. Some people had to take responsibility. We haven't seen that from the American elite yet and 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 after that so i so no doubt there's no doubt that Wuhan government bear responsibility in the initial phase of the the pandemic um but after the the pandemic nature become more well known, you know the the Chinese central government did impose. The, the unprecedented lockdown of a 11 million people city in wuhan you know i i was surprised when it happened it was, that was happening well, back in january yeah. 25th um i, I was shocked yeah. and, and it was it was not as people like now there's a rumor on the internet uh about oh how Ch- chinese locked down wuhan but still allow international flight that was not true because the 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 lockdown was announced um I, that more it was announced that morning, I think uh, seven o'clock or so, and the lockdown happened at ten a.m. So basically, there's only three three hour window be, be, between the lockdown announced and all the all the train station, all the airport were, were, were shut down. And and then the um, compare that to Italy, you know, in, in L- Lombardy, they planned to have a lockdown, but the news leaked out and everybody escaped to Milan and, and 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 brought the covid-19 there so so i mean like it, it. i think covid-19 makes a lot of government looks bad um you know you, we do have some exceptional uh you know exceptional ones like like south korea maybe uh but you know ma- many government did not come out looking good in this
0: yeah yeah government and the citizenry like there, there's a lot of bad to go around i mean so at this point um from basically the trump administration um trump particular but not just him you know trying to do um let's talk about like the china virus the chinese yeah. virus the wuhan yeah. virus the wuhan flu whatever so um i will tell you um like i still remember like so my my wife was following it really closely um you know uh, she knows some chinese and we have some mainland friends uh one of them is you know just down the river from wuhan and Mm -hmm. anyway um so we were following it on instagram and also on um wechat i don't know one of them anyway that we were following it and so just watching it my wife was interpreting some stuff for me um sometimes there were subtitles but uh so we we were tracking the whole wuhan thing and back then i think it was called the wuhan pneumonia in english often by american commentators yeah and um and then there was this thing like, okay, we're gonna call the disease COVID nineteen. I don't have a problem with that, right? I, I didn't yeah. care. I I call it COVID nineteen, but um, and then we see I saw Chris Hayes say you can't call it the Wuhan like pneumonia or flu. That's racist against Chinese. And, like all of this stuff, and that was when it like sink to my mind. Oh, because I was I was worried. Um, like I don't know if you've been keeping track of my. Uh, Like, if you got a sense that I was worried early, but I was worried early, you know, because China is not a different planet. Um, The same laws of nature apply in China as in the rest of the world. And so when I started seeing the basic statistics, like the basic parameter values for r naught and all that, I started freaking. And also, when China shut down Wuhan, okay, they're taking it really seriously. It's the revealed preference. They're shutting down their economy, basically, because they're going to shut down other places. And so, I was super worried in early February, and a lot of people kind of thought I was a little crazy, like you know, my scientist friends um, here in the states, just other people. Oh, and you I are trying kind of to keep it my...
1: Yeah, I mean, I I can fully yeah. understand what you're going through because I had an episode where my relatives in the United States, my own sister, um, was trying to get my niece. Tested for COVID nineteen around mid February, and she, you know, my my uh, she, my sister hosted Super Bowl party, so that was what like early February, and like a week after, my niece came down sick, and she was very sick, and then my sister found out that two of her guests that also came to Super Bowl party came also became sick with similar symptoms and then my sister find out that two of her friends that became sick had contact with uh, a person who frequently traveled to and back from china so my sister was freaking out uh, and she took my niece to get tested and she tested flu you know first she was given flu test she was uh, flu tested negative and then um uh, the doctor told told her, oh, no worries, just go home and rest, drink a lot of water. And after f- uh, three, four days, my niece still had high fever and, and you know, not improving. Then my mom, who's a nurse, told my sister, take my niece, go back and get an x-ray. And, and when the x-ray came back, my niece had pneumonia. So at this point, my sister is absolutely freaking out demanding that my niece get a COVID-19 test. But all the hospital clinics says, oh, we don't do COVID-19 tests. Um, You have to contact the 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 health department. Uh, So my sister didn't even know which health department. She tried the state health department, They were then told she she needed to contact the Santa Clara County County Health Department. And the Santa Clara County Health Department said, no, I'm sorry, your daughter does not qualify for the COVID-19 test because we have two criterias. One, a person has to just have recent travel history to Wuhan. Two, the person have to have contact with confirmed cases of COVID-19 since your daughter does not qualify you know we can't test you and my sister was going nuts basically banging her head on this bureaucratic red tape and but my my you know my niece wasn't getting better and eventually uh like four weeks later she they went to Stanford Children's Hospital and um they the hospital still couldn't give her COVID-19 test but they they did all the other tests, and they found, uh, I think, what's it called, the my, my, uh, mycoplasma in her, and then they think it might be the myco my uh mycoplasma induced pneumonia, and then give her a new different type of antibiotics, and that's when my 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 niece fever finally receded, and and you know after that I. Posted about it in, in on, on Twitter and uh, and Facebook, and I get people commenting say like, "Oh yeah, your your chance of c- catching COVID nineteen is is like uh, you know you have better chance of winning the lottery." You know, I, I was really livid when I was reading those comments, but I I was uh, you know I, I was too busy to respond to it, but but I so I totally understood, and there was a lot of uh, complacency, like even in, in- mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah, in, in mid or late February. But we now know that at that time it was COVID nineteen was already in United States. I believe the first case, confirmed case in United States was like late January or something.
0: Yeah, yeah. There was a, it was a like, it was a case in Seattle. Maybe yeah, but I mean there was already here and it was seeded. Like when there was the, the Chinatown stuff going on in New York City, it was like spreading. Um but in any case, so you know, I was just saying though. There was an issue where the people were making the case, and I don't know that I don't know for one hundred percent, but it seems like the WHO, the World Health Organization, was relatively solicitous to what the Chinese government, the um, uh, central government, wanted to do, and they were doing these things with the terminology. So my issue is, the virus doesn't care about terminology. The virus actually doesn't have a name. We give it a name, Sure. and. Um, some of these arguments and, you know, the first op-ed in the New York Times about COVID-19, about SARS coronavirus 2, was basically, oh, well, our fear is going to be a bigger problem than the virus itself because we're going to be racist against Asian people. And, you know, I have a lot of friends who are talking about, um, you know, people who are East Asian or as the American Medical Association says, East Asian presenting, any case, mm-hmm. um, they, that there's going to be like racism and they've experienced some things. I can tell you like, you know, as a guy that looks like a terrorist, um since 9/11, yeah, like some things happened, but really America's not that racist. Um there's jerks out there, but um I was not worried that there was going to be like camps for like Asian Americans. I mean, people are just going to be dicks and it's the kind of people that you always knew were going to be dicks, but I was just like, okay, like the virus is gonna be really dangerous. That's what we're really gonna focus on. And we're not gonna give, you know, a rat's ass about all these things. And, and you know, in terms of the terminology, people are saying like, well, you can't call it the Chinese virus because then like Chinese Americans and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, okay, yes, they're ethnically Chinese, but they're not citizens of the People's Republic of China. They're Americans or like, you know, Koreans, like they're not Chinese. So it's like all of these things where our stupidity, our myopia, um, our essentialism shall we say is is coming to the fore and we're talking about this stuff like this is stuff we were talking about in february you know like oh well how do we call it this and what's going to happen with asian americans when the virus gets here and i'm just like the virus is going to get here right and um you know in terms of what i want to talk about with you though is like then there was like issues about like you know okay what is china doing with the who and what is china's message and you know we're hearing stories about xi getting in contact with bilaterally to european nations and it seems like china is using this and i i I am not someone who believes it was a bioengineered virus um, and that it was purposely you know it was purposely released to the world like i don't believe that okay but it seems like okay this is happening this is a natural phenomenon
1: that and, reported now um, in the mainstream media, though. I mean that that conspiracy theory has been going yeah, yeah. around, and and we all laugh at it, being like some fringe, crazy, you know, batchier, crazy conspiracy theory. But now, since it's been repeated yeah, by, don't use the word, and... don't
0: use the word bash. Carl. Don't use the word shit. <laughs> no, no bat
1: talk. <laughs> I mean, okay. First of all, I have to I have to make it clear, um, like I that the, the, the bad soup video that went viral on the internet about the Chinese girl eating a bad soup that was from 2016 and it was not filmed in China but in Palau right it's which is an island country east of oh, east of Philippines you know in the middle of the Pacific and, and in, in, in places like Palau, Fruit bat soup is actually a local delicacy. So so the girl in the video, she was a, a travel show host and she did what uh you know when you do us Romans do. She filmed it.
0: Okay, uh like Anthony Bourdain, you know, like the like the cooking yes. shows.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Okay, and,
0: so it's like one of those.
1: Yes, and and in fact, I mean, i I'm I grew up in China. I was born in 1976 in China. I I came to U.S. in 1990, and I have relatives, you know, all over China from you know from one end to the other end of Yangtze River. I traveled through the whole length of southern China since I was, uh, you know, three years old. I have never seen bat <laughs> being sold as food. I mean, uh, in China, right? But, like, I've I seen vi- people taking videos of, like, the wet market in Sulaw- Sulawesi, Indonesia, where fruit bat is being consumed, you know, rebranded as, you know, Wuhan, China. I've seen that video being circulated. And they didn't even realize that, that that inside that video, there are signs in Bahasa, Indonesia pasted on the stall, right? But for most people, it's enough to see East Asian faces or what they consider East Asian faces and and, and bats, that's all, that's all they need. But um, mm. I just, so I just have to have well, to no, make I mean, that clear. The bat Baha- yeah, yeah. not well, a traditional well, well, Chinese cuisine. <laughs> okay.
0: Sure. So, you know, the, the, there's a lot of like so after 2016, I was talking with a uh, – he's an anarcho – I don't know if he's an anarcho-communist. But he's a left-wing anarchist. And we were talking about how um, Russophobia, mm-hmm. like anti-Russian sentiment, just yeah. like yeah. – it was like almost overnight on the left, yeah. um, on the center left in particular resistance. Yeah. And, and um, my boss, he posted something about the Denisova cave in, in Siberia on Facebook, and they took it down because it was in Russia. Mm. Uh, you know, it's like the suspicion of Russians on the these anti racist leftists, or not leftists, but liberal people was like really weird, yeah. right? It was yeah. Just yeah. So well, I
1: mean, they. And so, there's, I think. There's a, you know, Russia yeah. Gate. It's all tied to Russia Gate. they trying yeah. to prove that Trump yeah. is a Russia puppet, yeah. which hasn't worked, but for some reason, liberals still think that that's a golden thing to to, you know, like they really got Trump, they really got Trump by 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 showing his uh, Putin puppet, but that never worked. And but Mm -hmm. they just keep going and going. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about,
0: and so I think you know, these videos and whatnot, um, you know, anti Chinese sentiment, you know, Sinophobia, whatever you want to call it, um, and this is transcends ideology, I think, in the United States to some extent. I mean, it's more it's more like um developed I think on the right um just because racism is more common on the right among conservative people um I say this is a conservative I'm just being objective okay mm-hmm. um but uh you know it, it's on the left too and so um I honestly I just like kind of ignore that because it's kind of noise okay like it, it, these are the like the rhetoric and the optics and you know after 911 and the so this scandal, is where and I, I
1: this is where I, I have to disagree with you about, you know, racism in America. Right? I I think like uh, it's true, you know, I live in US for 29 years. It's true like in terms of physical safety, mostly we're, we're good, you know, we're we're you know, at least not uh, you know, at, at least none of us are black, so we we're, we're we're good. We're <laughs> physical safety is not is not in serious danger. But, you know, no the racism it's always there. It's it's it, there is such a thing as you know political correctness. There's that that, that discourse that's been um basically imposed in, in most mainstream media. So so in the polite company, yes, you know, the racism is being suppressed, but the racist sentiment <laughs> it's always present. I mean there some people are just you know, they they're just no better to mm-hmm. voice it in public i mean sure
0: sure i i think that's a fair point and a lot of people have told me a lot of europeans in particular have told me like well you know you experience a lot more racism in europe but that's because people in europe are not conditioned to keep it hidden in yes. Public. yes whereas like you know in their hearts americans are just the same american white people are just the same you know they just they just know to be to be more polite or like you know there's certain social norms about that and so 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 that's a fair point um i don't have any truck with anti-Asian racism, I mean, as an Asian person myself, you know, um, and whatnot. But um, I am concerned about, um, frankly, the rise of China right now, because it seems like there's mutual hostility that's developing. Um, you know, I have children. Um, I don't want war. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I grew up, you know, into my, you know, like, most of my adult w- years under Chimerica, under this, like, interdependent economic relationship of, Export and consumption, and they gave us money after 2008, or China, you know, as they, and right. then the Chinese, you know, lifted all these people out of poverty. It was like one of the perhaps, in some ways, the greatest, um, you know, human accomplishment in a way of, uh, you know, economic growth, economic but, empowerment. But so that, that was a feel good story.
1: That period of Sino American cooperation is coming to an end right now as we speak. And and, and, yes, and, and we can agree on that, but I would even argue this is initiated from the mostly from the side of the United States. I mean, there there are people who argue in US argue the otherwise, but but you know, starting from the trade war, right? And that, that that's and and ev- all the action is mostly coming from United States. And actually, I just read uh, this. Uh, I just read an excerpt. From the the new book by the former Singaporean uh diplomat and president of the UN Security Council. Um what's his name? Uh, uh <clears throat> Kishore Muba uh Kishore Mububani. He's actually uh like an ethnic Indian. <clears throat> but he, he okay. was- he was a Singapore diplomat, and he was quite well spoken on, you know, on diplomatic issues, especially regarding China and United States. And he has written a new book called "Has China Won?" Um, and in his in this book, there's an expert where he talk about the Western media reporting about China's militarization South China Sea, because this is one of the one of the points that's often uh, there's often accusation from the west about china stirring tro- trouble in 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 southeast uh in south china sea right that's 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 supposedly one of the point of provocation that the rising china has has kind of kind of did to upset the balance of the status quo now this is what Kishore has said you know he specifically talked about the well accepted fact about Xi Jinping is that I'm just reading it right now, is that he reneged on his promise not to militarize the South China Sea Islands. In December 2016, Wall Street Journal reported for a man who stood at the White House in September 2015 and promised not to militarize South China Sea, Xi Jinping is sure doing a lot of militarizing. In two articles for Washington Post, Zhang Pong wrote that China routinely makes commitment that it does not keep. Just remember, she's 2015 promise to then President Barack Obama not to militarize the islands he created in South China Sea. And again, that Xi broke his promise to President Barack Obama not to militarize the seven Chinese-made islands in the South China Sea. Um, this was the economist was perhaps even most forthright forthright in its accusation of Xi's broken promises, declaring in April 2018, less than three years ago, Xi Jinping stood with Barack Obama in, in the Rose Garden at the White House and lied through his teeth. China absolutely did not, Mr. Xi preferred, intend to pursue militarization on its, its islands. I'm just going to continue to read a little bit, just bear with me here. If she had indeed made such promise and reneged, you would only go to confirm a widespread belief in the West that China had become aggressive and expansionistic. You would also confirm a belief that the Chinese are being perfidious and deceptive when they claim that China will rise peacefully. So what is true? Few Americans can claim to know China as well as Ambassador Stapleton Roy born in China, a fluent Mandarin speaker. Roy also served as then American ambassador to China from 1991 to 1995 and has stayed exceptionally well informed on US-China relations. He explained what happened. In a joint press conference with President Obama on September 25, 2015, Xi Jinping had proposed a more reasonable approach on South China Sea. Xi had supported Full and effective implementation of the 2002 Declaration on the Conduct of the Parties in the South China Sea, signed by China and all 10 ASEAN members, had called for early conclusion of the China ASEAN consultation on a code of conduct for the South China Sea, had added that China had no intention to militarize the Spratly Islands where he had engaging on a massive reclamation work on the reefs and shells he occupied. Roy, Roy, being the former U.S. ambassador, said that Obama missed a, a opportunity to capitalize on this reasonable proposal. Instead, the U.S. Navy stepped up on its naval patrols. China responded by proceeding with militarization. In short, she did not renege on a promise. His offer was effectively spurned by the U.S. Navy, the big question is how a untruth became accepted as a fact by well-informed, thoughtful Western elite, and this is not easy to answer. Now, this is a, this is Kishore's own uh, attempt to try to answer this question: Why why Western media reported a certain way? And he said, uh, uh, having observed closely over several decades how untruth about China gets generated and accepted widely. I have come to the conclusion that they are produced by a unique ecosystem that involves the best intelligence service of the world and the best newspaper of the world. It is an Anglo-Saxon ecosystem and it involves the five eyes club, which brings together intelligence service of America, Australia, Canada, New Zealand and United Kingdoms. There is a high degree of trust among all these five Anglo-Saxon countries. Intelligence is therefore shared with great confidence. From time to time, these intelligence services share information with leading Western newspapers. Major Western newspapers are bold and largely independent. No government has the power to control their reporting. Indeed, they often stand up and confront their government with inconvenient facts. As a result, when they report stories a high degree of credibility justifiably, is associated with them. All of them boldly proclaim that their goal is to report the truth, not to serve as propaganda vehicles like the Pravada in the former Soviet Union or the People's Daily in China. These claims of independent reporting are absolutely correct and fully justified. Yet, it is also true that these newspaper must rely on government sources for most of their stories, including intelligence services like the Five Eyes Network. Many of these stories are credible. For example, it is a fact that she did offer to not militarize the Sprady Islands in the South China Sea. And for the record, he did not offer to demilitarize the Parasol Islands, which are disputed with Vietnam only. This is in parentheses. It is also a fact the Chinese military did subsequently step up its activity in the Spratly Islands. The missing, unreported fact is that the U.S. Navy provokes the latter reaction. For obvious reasons, this fact was not shared by the Five Eye Network. Now, I think Kishore is being generous. Uh to both the Western media and the Five Eye Network, you know, especially, uh, you know, in this COVID-19 crisis, in some of the more outrageous reporting and more outrageous intelligence report that's coming out. But, I mean, my this is what Kishore is saying is what I have been saying all along, like the information that we're getting in the West about China is of a particularly distorted nature. It's not that these these reports are untruth. Most of the time there's some element of truth in the in the reports about China. But most most of the time it's only the partial truth. And and it it presents a very distorted view of you know what China's role or what China's intentions are. I think that itself, you know, did contribute a lot to the misconception of China, including like this scary, big, bad China that's bending on, you know, be the next Nazi Germany <laughs> rampaging through the world. Okay, so that that's my little spiel, my, my, my two cents. I just have to get it out of the way. Yeah. Well,
0: I, it, it's hard to say. I mean, you obviously have thought a lot more about this than me. I mean... On the one hand i wouldn't put it past you know a coordinated effort by the anglosphere nations and intelligence agencies to you know exacerbate accelerate a confrontation and you know as both of us know uh neoconservatives in the late 1990s were um cheering on a confrontation great power um, not conflict but maybe you know ramping up to a cold war uh with china and then 9-11 happened. Yes. Right? Yes. And so, um, the you know, they're actually, they have kind of like the mental toolkit or the arguments. They just need to resurrect them. And so I feel like there has been a fracture on the conservative side, um, my side politically in the United States, uh, when it comes to China and geopolitics after the Iraq war debacle, Iraq war two. Um, but now this whole confrontation with China has brought a lot of people together because even, um, you know, more like old right paleo conservatives um, are skeptical of China and of course the neocons just want honestly, they just want war. But, um, Everybody, right? Know, now,
1: I mean, we have people like supposedly on the left like Matt Stoller, right? Who is supposedly uh, American progressive on, on the left or often offers a cri- uh, leftist uh, criticism on the globalization, you know, he is fully on board with, you know, getting tough with China. Like he actually said, yeah. The only thing He's been on the, that for a while. Yeah. 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 He, he actually said the only thing Trump got right is, you know, getting tough with China right now. I mean, there's almost like a consensus among the American elite, you know, it doesn't matter <laughs> left, right, center, they all want to, uh you know get tough with china i mean that's that's china it's like china 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 24 7 right now in u.s and I mean,
0: so it's not but it's not just the american elite um i have to say that you know i've been talking to some people in india and there's a lot of you know Indi- the indian attitude towards china is like berkeley's attitude towards stanford mm. um it's a one-sided rivalry um mm. like they're really really envious about chinese development and whatnot. Um, But recently, I've been getting a sense of some genuine hostility. uh, Because, you know, whether it's right or wrong, um, they do blame the Chinese for Coronavirus for shutting down their economy, because really, it has has an impact The death, death toll been relatively marginal. Mm -hmm. Um, But it shut down the economy. And you know, there's that joke that um, was like, China created a Coronavirus WhatsApp group added everyone and then left. That's the Indian joke, right? Hmm. And so um, there's there's a lot of hostility that's there. That's not Indian, that's by the way. I mean
1: that that's because I I had an okay. a, a Italian contractor working on my. Um, beachside villa. We're trying to spruce it up for Airbnb before the COVID-19 hit. Uh, And he has told me, you know, what he read in Italian social media on on his Facebook group, that people are saying in Italy, some people are saying that, oh, yeah, this conspiracy by China to gain control, because you know, you know now that you know China is fine, but like uh, COVID nineteen is ravaging Italy. So, so now China, with all the money, is coming into Europe to buying up all the asset at fire sale prices, and it's just it's just well, part of the China's mm-hmm. master plan plan to take over. I mean, of course, I think it's ridiculous, but yeah, but some people there are I know there are a, 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 not a small segment of the population that thinks that way.
0: Yeah, and it's not just an elite. I mean, it's like it's like a broad base. So, I mean, you know, we've been talking for a while. I, I mean, I, I want to know, like, what do you think the next 10 years? Like, I don't want a war um, in any way. I, I don't want a war. Uh, China's a nuclear power. I mean, people are talking about China like they talked about Iraq, which is ridiculous because right. Iraq, I mean, no offense to Iraq. Iraq was like a small nation that we, we kind of just, like, played with, you know, it's like, it was like a gamble. It's like we lost like a big bet at a casino. Okay. It wasn't devastating really. It was just stupid. Um, but with China, it's like a different thing. I mean, like, what yeah, is, I mean,
1: what is, I mean, there's what is no... the next
0: 10 years like?
1: Yeah. Well, it's always, <laughs> it's always dangerous to predict the future. Um, I think next 10 years will probably be more tension, more confrontation, more heated rhetorics and, uh, we actually, I don't, I don't think we're gonna necessarily have a war because I don't think even the elite, uh, I'm talking about the American elite, uh, you know, because because, as I I I say that the confrontation is not bought about by China. It's right now. It's mostly initiated by the U.S. side now, and but even us elite, as crazy and stupid as they are you know they they're not really that stupid to 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 start a nuclear war i think even the us military is for, fully aware that there's <laughs> there's no way there can be a limited war with china i mean any any hot yeah. confrontation will go nuclear in like 10 15 minutes uh i mean like cuz cuz uh, there's no way you can just just contain uh, a, a ladder of escalation. And and yeah. for a longest time, I mean, you've, I have been kind of watching the output from the U.S. national security community for for, for years now. And I'm, I mean, the, from their side, the rhetoric hasn't really changed. It's always the same. You know, China is a threat that we need to, you know, rise to confront it. We need to be more for, forceful. But it before um, you know, in the in the era that you were talking about, the, in the earlier eras, of the China America era, that was mostly balanced out by people who are the, the business communities, and mostly the business community who are more interested to go to China to do business. Uh, you know, and 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 so 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 now that side that side of the voice the engagement side of the voice is almost completely absent now in the US that that's what happened but but in terms of the the even the people in the defense industry their top priority has always been you know getting more defense fundings for you know for whatever their pet project and and, and their their own organization it's it's all always a justification for more funding you know funding the the ridiculous f-35s program and 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 then to you know the u.s navy build up like 355 uh ship fleet etc it, it's I, I i don't think I at least the top echelon of the U S military. I don't think anybody is serious about really going to a war to China. They, they, they fully aware, you know, what the consequences of that will be, but it does, um, it does make sense for them to hype up the tension, right. To, 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 you know, to to keep this uh, trillion dollar uh, U.S. defense uh, industrial, military industrial complex. Military industrial complex. Yeah. yeah.
0: (laughs) So, I I mean, I can see that interest. Do you think that the China America, that, you know, China's export to the United States, um, you know, our supply chain is shifting out? I mean, how serious is this going to get? I'm actually like asking without... Without like positive or negative, I'm just descriptively, yeah, yeah. predictively, um, yeah. are we going to really disengage economically?
1: Yes. Yeah. So decoupling is what, uh, you know, the Trump's economic advisors are, are you know, Peter Navarro, right? The, the, the famous uh, <laughs> anti-China hawk are advocating that they, they're advocating to cut off, basically, economic ties between China and the West, not just China and U.S., but also China and Europe as well. That's that's why there's a huge campaign right now waged against uh, Huawei's uh, gaining 5G contract in European Union, etc. And, um, you know, the thing is, the, the decouple, it, it's, at, at some level, some supply chains are uh are leaving china like more mostly on the lower end uh, scale like uh, more labor intensive in the industries like making shoes you know making making clothes i mean but this 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 process already started before the trade war before the covid-19 uh, crisis because you know the labor costs in china itself has has risen so a lot of the those um Low end manufacturing jobs will go to uh, you know Southeast Asia, like go to places like Vietnam, Bangladesh, uh, Indonesia. But a, a more industrial scale manufacturing will will have a lot. It will be a lot harder to move out of China because you know China built an entire ecosystem of infrastructures. You know it's not like. It's not like you know, like just easy as popping up a plant uh, somewhere and hire a bunch of workers. Uh, you can do that for low-scale manufacturing, but but for for more um, advanced, more more industrial-scale manufacturing, you're gonna need a reliable power grid. You know, you're gonna need a a, a port. You're gonna need excellent infrastructure, roads, railroads, uh, ports. Uh, and you're going to need like all these uh, suppliers for your components that that and and China has everything in one place. That's why, you know, you know, China had been a successful for world's factory for the, for so long for the last 20, 30 years. And, and so, yes, some of, some of the manufacturing low end is leaving China. And, and some of these, these, uh, Spearheaded by by Chinese companies themselves, they are locating to places even like Africa to take advantage of um, lower tariffs between Africa and United States, um, and and uh, but but things like cars, uh, more like bigger things, I I don't know. And 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 on the other side is also that the Ch- Chinese domestic market. Is now developing, you know, like China has been trying to switch uh, to domestic to encourage domestic consumption for a long time, basically to 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 shift it to more a, a service oriented economy, and and it it is this COVID 19 I think the COVID nineteen crisis is going to only going to speed that up. I mean, it's already happening. There, there's already rising income in China, and while China still exports a lot to U.S. And EU, etc. The export as a percentage of Chinese GDP has already drastically fallen. It's it's in the, it's not even in double digits. It's in single digits now as a percentage of Chinese GDP. So so the Chinese domestic economy is growing up fast, They're taking up mm. the slack. Um, I mean I mean one of the problems yeah. with China right now is actually uh, just in general, It's it's a, like even China. China needs to find a way to, um, to um, for f- a, a channel for its productivity. Because right now, right now, uh, you know, China has a Build and Road Initiative where it's trying to build up infrastructure and ports all around the world. And one of the reason it's doing that is because China right now have excessive uh, product, uh, excessive capacity capacity in China itself because China during its years of boom has had had built like this huge companies that that can put up build up cities and roads in in shortest amount of time but China is kind of built out right now I mean I've been to China last year I traveled China throughout um, much of southern China they're, they're building high-speed rail all the way to the Myanmar border they're, they're still under construction right now but you know, pretty soon China is gonna be fully built out. They're gonna like pave everything and 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 all build up all the all the roads, all the cities. And now you're left with all these companies who who have done all the building or or who have, you know built all the machineries. They 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 certainly needs to. <laughs> need, the only way they can go is to go abroad. And 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 um. More recently, because of COVID nineteen crisis, you know the Chinese government is starting to print is to start to print more money, and and one of the problem is that that money has hasn't really found a way like a more productive channel to to go. So a lot of money end up going to real estate. So you know China still have this kind of some some people will call it a real estate bubble because you know a lot of Chinese. Uh, people who have basically chinese urban residents who have owned property you know for last 20 30 years have made out you know like a bandit they 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 i just read a um a, a stats where they say you know 96% of the chinese urban residents own homes and you know the average um oh. household household savings of hello you there Resident- yeah yeah no
0: that that's a lot that yeah that's a lot, ninety six
1: percent. Yes, but but I, I will get to the the, the 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 details. The devil's in the detail in the statistics, right? And the and the that the um that the average household savings, uh, you know, for residents in Beijing and Shanghai is um is around like four hundred thousand dollars, right? Average, and that's much higher than I would say some some parts of the United States. And and oh, yeah. the, but but there's a caveat there's a caveat and I will tell you why it's because this this so-called because the the criteria is urban resident and that only that means they have only counted the people who have resident permit in places like Beijing or Shanghai mm. and which will includes I mean, it will, will exclude all the migrant workers who flooded to those cities in more recent years, who did not have the, yeah. the, the resident permit, who cannot and who also cannot afford homes. And 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 so what, what I'm trying to say is that, you know, China right now, it's most of the Chinese problem is internal problem. <laughs> China China like people from outside of China keep on thinking uh, China is this unstoppable machine that's going to take over the world but China has a lot of internal contradictions a lot of internal problems like the real estate problem real estate bubble and and uh, and 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 oh you know the covid-19 more more recently so so the, the Chinese government had has its hand full <laughs> just trying to keep everything under lid right make sure it, it, the whole thing doesn't blow up and yeah and uh, and and so so i think there's less for people to worry about uh for china to initiate some crazy gigantic epic uh style confrontation than uh, uh some miscalculation from from say the us uh, defense elite uh you know i i don't think anybody in the us uh, higher ups in the us defense uh uh position the the people who make the decision really want a, a real you know <laughs> nuclear exchange with china but you know there might be some miscalculation of you know people think might think they uh, do some you know maneuvering so-called in, in south china sea and and that might accidentally touch off uh unexpected escalation and and then then who knows that is a danger right now and and i think yeah That's where we're, that's where we're headed. Unfortunately.
0: I mean, that's, that's cheery. I mean, uh, you know, the the internet and globalization were supposed to bring us together and now here we are. Um, I think that era is over 2020 is a watershed. Um, you're describing a China in a way that's a lot like the United States going towards more autarky looking inward. I mean, our economy is similar. It's mostly an internal economy. Um, And, you know, we had a dream, you know, my generation, our generation, we're about the same age, I think, but uh, of, you know, the internet would bring people together and we would interact and communicate with everybody. And I feel like, you know, the people in China have their own internet. They have their own world in Mandarin. And, you know, I was hoping that someday they would join us and we would all get to talk. And I'm not sure if that's going to happen now.
1: I I don't think that's I I don't I'm not sure that's going to happen either. I mean, right now we effectively we have two internet. We have the internet outside the gray firewall. We have the internet inside the gray firewall. And and most of the, as far as I can tell, most of the people in China they're they're fine with what they have. And and there are many people who do scale the gray firewall to get. To the outside world by the way because a lot of times i'm so surprised you know go to some watching some youtube video and see the comments from like obviously people from inside mainland china <laughs> mostly in like chinese dramas i'm like why do these guys come to youtube to watch they could have just like watched this literally you know, in China on the Chinese video sharing platform, but some people do, and they, they, they you know, they, they and then the comments, and there are many, you know, Chinese people increasingly now, you know, coming to Twitter, and well, that, that's for the people who have English language language skill, of course. Yeah,
0: I mean, I, I think the language, the language skill is one of the insuperable barriers. Where you know Mandarin, there is, you know to various levels of fluency, but I mean, almost all Chinese are l- literate now. And it's the same written language. So, you know, 1.3 billion or whatever. Um, why would you need to learn English? I feel like one of the differences between China and, and Japan or whatever our rivals were is like the scale is so huge. Yeah. It has a huge internal yeah. economy. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm I can't okay tell- with that. It's just hostility. Now, the mutual hostility is yeah. still worrying i had
1: a i had an American friend who was teaching english in china um like actually interviewed him on my show silk and steel he he actually said you know his impression is that china and u s is actually very similar on 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 many levels you know both are continental sized economies you know like mm-hmm. with um and and the people in china and people in the united states can both be very parochial like as in they're yeah. only concerned with yeah. what's happening inside their own borders because, uh, because there's a lot of things going on and 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 and, uh, and because there are you know continental sized economies it's not like it's not like places like in um even Indonesia, you know, Indonesia is a huge, it's almost a continent by itself, but, like, here in Bali we're still very much influenced by things from the West, you know, from, from, like, also East Asia, you know, like K-pop, <laughs> K-pop is huge, <laughs> but K-pop is huge everywhere now, so, yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't know, like, it's, it's not looking, things are not looking good, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. i I say prepare for the worst and hope for the best,
0: yeah, well, I mean, you know, you're gonna be in Indonesia for a while. It sounds like, I mean, yeah. what is the attitude towards towards you know Big Brother to the north um, in Indonesia? Well, I mean, I mean, everything chill.
1: Indonesia itself is a big country. I mean, like, uh, uh, like you know, Indonesia have um, uh, right now most of, most of the people in my everyday life. My, I mean, I'm not interact really interacting with like the. The, the the chattering class, the, the, the pundits, or the intellectuals. I mean, the average people on the street—they're just, you know, like people everywhere else. They're just mostly concentrating on getting on with their lives, and and like right now in Bali, you know, they're just, people are just wishing they get more tourists, <laughs> whether whether Chinese or European or American, uh, you know, really just just to survive this COVID nineteen crisis right now because uh you know Bali is really hurting it's 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 so economy is so dependent on tourism that that right now this kind of suddenly drying up of economic activity is a is a bit of a shock for, for many people
0: yeah yeah well i mean like hawaii here in the states like they're trying to do mandatory you know quarantines of tourists and discourage tourists but what is hawaii it is a tourist destination right. so there's a lot of adaptation and restructuring i mean in a way like you know china is going to come out of this you know i had a friend in silicon valley and he's just like well you know china's gonna do well because you know they're not on their knees that's basically it like they're they're starting to come back online yeah. they yeah. contained it and so yeah i just um, interview, you know you
1: uh... uh i just interviewed um uh not American, a Canadian who's teaching in my hometown, Chongqing, uh, like a week ago. And he basically told me that things are coming online right now. I mean, they're still um, uh, like up, up to last week. Every, he was a teacher. So up to last week, they were still doing online teaching. Um, we are still there's still online teaching in Indonesia, actually. Uh, but in Chongqing, they just opened up school. So like the kids are coming back to school now. And, and those things are gradually returning to normal. And I know in the U.S. there's still a big debate right now about whether or not to open. So, and, but, but U.S. is at, at a different place, at least like in China, the COVID-19 is, is under, under control right now. And most, most of the, uh, the worry right now, they worry about a second wave you know, from like infection from abroad that's why there was uh, this report recent report about xenophobia rising in China is because uh, mm-hmm. you, you know, recent because this is the most recent infection has been uh, brought in from the travelers from abroad. So
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean,
1: uh,
0: well, I mean, on a positive note, like, uh, you've been managed to work out, um, you're getting married. And Indonesia isn't quite um, zombie land yet, right?
1: I mean, in it's it's like it's zombie line land in the touristy area in Bali, right? But yeah, but but yeah. outside the tourist area, it's it's still normal. I mean, it's I mean, like because mm-hmm. a lot of people in Indonesia they wear masks anyway to more more for like pollution, right? They wear anti pollution masks. <laughs> so now it's just yeah. people wearing masks. So yeah. Well, so um, you know, you know, l-
0: l- let's talk in the future. I mean, these are early days. Um, you know, it sounds like you know you're making the decisions that you need to make for your own life. But uh, I, uh, how do you see your role? I mean, are you just gonna be shit posting until you get bored until you have kids? Like, who knows? I mean, you know, you kind of fell into this, right? But um, you are who yeah. you are. Like, I mean, I
1: mean, I come, I come to this role. By accident, right? Like before, I just wanted to find a outlet where I want to share my opinions. I didn't. I really didn't know that people will actually pay attention to what I had to say until I went on the Radio Walner podcast, and and then I find that people are willing to listen. And then and then I start doing my own things and the podcast, and um yeah. So I'm just gonna keep doing it. I'm just gonna keep trying to. Um, grow my podcast and maybe provide more interesting content. One thing I, I'm doing right now is uh, what really hold more close to my heart is Chinese history. I, that's I, you know, I mm-hmm. I could yeah. screw about the politics. You know, I don't I could care less about the politics. I can just spend hours geeking out on Chinese history. So I, I started this doing this new um, Chinese uh, history uh, series. On my podcast, Silk and Steel, um, I'm doing it in chronological order. From, so from the very beginning, um, so so the, the interview that we did actually on the Chinese genetics was very, kind of very helpful reference uh, for people. And mm. I just finished recording yesterday uh, on the Xia dynasty, which is a first, supposedly the first dynasty of China. So, so and then I'm going to move on mm. to the song dynasty it's gonna take me a while but i'm not in a hurry because <laughs> you know i could do this forever so i can um so eventually i think i might um. once i make some money i uh, eventually i'll probably just branch out separate out to a, a a new podcast of a chinese history podcast and and put all my mm. chinese history content the, the chronological ones um y- 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 in, like group together and have its own website. And, um, and, and, but for now, I mean, I'm just doing everything under umbrella of the silk and steel. So, so right now it's a really a mishmash of history, politics, culture, basically whatever, um, <laughs> whatever I find interesting. <laughs>
0: whatever shit, whatever shit gets on your mind, right? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's, it's fun, it's interesting. Um, you know, uh, as we, as we close this out, um, you know, if uh, your handlers need someone in the Western United States, you know, um, we can negotiate. You know, there is an economic crisis here. and There's a lot of people that are worried. And, you know, you can tell them that, uh, you know, I, for one, uh, welcome our new, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think Cuba is the only way that I can deal with uh, yeah. the absurd situation that we are in right yeah. now. Um, yeah. I think people need to keep their heads on about that and have a little fun because hopefully the good times will start rolling at some point soon. Um, yeah. maybe not right now, you know, but, um, you know, I, we'll, we'll turn the corner and, you know,
1: I was actually hoping to, um, uh, I don't, I don't know if you look into it at all about cause you are, you are the genetics guy. So, so, I mean, people are talking mm-hmm. about like the different strains of, uh, Coronavirus mm-hmm. that appeared in France, mm-hmm. Italy versus uh, ones mm-hmm. in the ones that appear in United States and in China. H- have you looked into that at all? Or I, I've
0: looked at it. I've looked into a little. Um, so with the coronavirus issue, as you know, coronavirus in general, um, there's a lot of papers, a lot of, of work coming out. And you know, I don't sleep that much, but even I have only a finite amount of bandwidth. Yeah. So I've actually not focused too much on the sequences of the coronavirus itself. Um, with the strain stuff, um, what I've been hearing, talking to people, geneticists, scientists is that we're not sure they're not sure they're skeptical, but they're skeptical about almost anything at this point, because we just know so little and there've been so many false leads. It's not impossible or even implausible that, um, differences in virulence of the strains could be causing some issues, but, um, we are not there where we can say anything with certainty. Similarly. you know, it does seem like heat and UV does have an effect on the virus and certain countries like Malaysia, Thailand, you know, even Indonesia and Philippines who have like worse outbreaks in Malaysia or Thailand, mm-hmm. uh, they're bending the curve much faster or um, it's a much, it's like a 10 day reproduction rate, right? In some mm-hmm. of these, cur- like in India, like a 10 day reproduction rate instead of 3.5. Now ten's not, ten's not that good for doubling, but it's still, you know, 10 versus three and a half. So, um, there's all these, you know, variables that we don't know about. And a month ago I would be like, Oh, you know, we'll know in May 1st, May 1st is here. And there's a lot we don't know. Um, there's a few things we do know. And I kind of like hold close to those, like children seem way less infectious than adults. And there's various reasons like, okay, that's a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, obviously the elderly are targeted, but, um, it's been difficult just to get my bearings, um, in general, I've kind of taken a break this week. Um, and I don't know if you listen to my other podcast, the insight, uh, Spencer Wells, Not who yet. by the way is in Lombok. Mm-hmm. He is in Lombok right now. Um, he will be there for a while, okay. but, uh, we, uh, we've been, um, just talking about, you know, what's going on like every couple of weeks. And, you know, it's like a year, you know, there's just so much that happens and, and things are changing. So, um, we live in very uncertain times. Oh yeah. Um, we have a lot, of, a lot of lack of clarity. Everything is very opaque. Um, I think that's why people are anxious. I think that actually explains some of the behavior yes. that we're talking about here with the yeah. xenophobia and the xenophobia doesn't just go from America to China, it goes from China to other people as well. Sure. Um, you know, that it's, it's humans are it's and fear-driven.
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's like pestilence, pestilence drives populism and fear. Um, this is just like, we've seen this in the ancient world and we're seeing it today. So that's not surprising. Um, I am curious what's going to happen when the exogenous shock of the virus of nature biting us back and becoming real again, fades, and we have to deal with this geopolitical social jockeying, uh, China and the United States are both pretty powerful, well-off nations now, China is still considerably poor, but you know, it's a, it's a upper middle income country now, you know? Or lower developed, and Shanghai It's definitely developed. So, um, the 21st century has begun, and we're just trying to figure out, like, how we situate within it. Um, yeah. You know, now in the midpoint of my life, hopefully. Um, the well, 80s and 90s are gone. You know, and trying to figure it out right now.
1: We're we're at the end of the end of the history right now. <laughs>
0: yeah. 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 History. History is history is rebooted. Um. <laughs> you know and you know, Francis Fukuyama needs to write, uh, needs to write a new book, a, a sequel, um, <laughs> you know, uh, the beginning of history and the first man.
1: Yes. Um, I mean, I actually just yes. anecdotally, I mean, I was actually quite surprised about, about the, the changes that COVID, COVID-19 has brought. I mean, I could never imagine in a Muslim majority country like Indonesia, that, that they shut down the mosque right, right now. Like there's, um, you know, yeah. people are complaining yeah. because they shut down mosques. Because the the latest outbreak uh, in Malaysia and Indonesia happened, uh, I think, during one of the mosque gatherings. And then, then after that, the government said, "Okay, no more, no more. <laughs> mosques are closed." I, I was I was really surprised that that actually happened. But yeah,
0: yeah. How quickly everyone? How quickly? I mean, you know, we talked about tardiness, but to some extent, some of these nations went relatively quickly. And in a relatively nimble way so as we um you know come out of lockdown all across the world it's going to be interesting to see um you know like my friend um uh, heterodox asia jasper gregory who was on this podcast uh, a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago um, he's posting pictures in Nang right now and people are in cafes and i just stare at the pictures and What's up with the people being close together? <laughs> they don't look like they live together. You know, I mean, it's just like yeah. I have weird thoughts, like conditioned by the quarantine. Yeah. So, um, it's it, it, they're like windows onto 2019. Yeah. You know, like most of 20, most of 2020, um, the first three weeks of 2020, I wasn't super stressed. But after the first, after the first three weeks, after the first three weeks of January, after January 21st or so, I have been stressed. Yeah. A whole year. Yeah. Um, you know, my cortisol levels are probably all off the charts constantly. I gained 10 pounds and I lost 10 pounds, you know, yeah. it's been a yo-yo, it's been a psychological thing. So I can um, relate. There are these- I, can't
1: relate. I, I mean, I've been, I've been, I mean, uh, I had, a, I got into a motorcycle accident and then I got a surf, surf injury. And right after that, I had what I thought might be COVID-19 and then now I got a gummy yeah, so now I'm staying at home, putting on fat. Uh, yeah, so I, I can relate.
0: Well, um, it's been great talking to you. Um, you know, it's always a pleasure. Uh, I think the listeners, uh, wherever they are, United States, India, uh, even our Chinese listeners, there are a few that download it. Um, uh, I think they will have learned a lot of things. Um, I'm assuming I'm going to get some questions, and you know, as usual, I'm sure people will find you on Twitter. Yeah. Um, you are rocketing up to being a new thing so um good luck with that good luck with your marriage thank or you yeah you know, good luck with your ma- wedding you Yes. Know, the marriage <laughs> is uh, after you're married i will tell you good luck with your marriage okay. one thing well, after my, another, my, right? my,
1: their, fa- their family already accepted me i think that's the most important thing um like for her, sure her, her mother at first asked about my religion and my fiance kind of finessed it she said well she, he came from a buddhist family which technically is true because my my grandma was was buddhist so mm-hmm. so it's it's not it is a kind of a technically true statement and and her yeah. mom says oh okay that's good you know buddhism uh, hinduism close enough so yeah yeah well i mean. It- If she was Muslim, it would
0: be a whole different thing. Yes,
1: yes. You
0: know, count your blessings, count your blessings. Namaste, right? (laughs) Uh, All right. Um, It was great talking to you, uh, Carl, and um, let's keep in touch.
1: Okay. Tune in next week for Brown.